It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OH! IO! And welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs. That man over there is the wild man, Chris Wilds. That man down there is Sergeant MVP, Aaron Brown. And you are you. And we are so thankful to have you join us tonight on this, the very special bi week edition of the OHIO podcast and we are thankful to have Larry Daniels in the house all the way from sunny Arizona my favorite state in the union best place I've ever been was Arizona are you ready to rumble absolutely I hope Maryland's ready to rumble Jay Thompson how many Buckeye leaves will Aaron hand out during a bye week (laughs) stick around to find out (laughs) no less than three no less. <laughs> uh, Dylan Coon, just a few weeks, boys. We are super excited. Dylan got your message, though, so thank you for that. Looking forward to hooking up with you and the uh, podcast boys there from uh, the uh, uh, Boiler Express show. Looking forward to hang out with you guys. Got that helmet almost done, man. Looking good. So, oh, well, we have a prediction. Four. Four. Hey. Mm-hmm. Four Buckeye leads coming someone's way. Uh we got a great show for all of you. Please uh, leave us a thumbs up. Do at least that. That does help the show. Give us a thumbs up. If you haven't already, subscribe to the channel right here on YouTube. That absolutely does help. Ring the bell. Get notified every time we go live, man. Uh, that way you can uh, be sure and not miss a show that we have. Matt Butcher's in the house. What up, fellas? All the way from Australia. Good to see you, Matty Butcher. Um, also, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com backslash The Ohio Podcast. We're on the X at The Ohio Pod. And we also uh, write articles on uh, scarletandgame.com. Go in there, go to Google, type in Scarlet Game, read articles from myself, other great writers, um, some of which apparently made Ohio State fans mad. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, we're going to talk about all kinds of things, but let's start here first, fellas. Chris, I'll start with you. Number one, how did you spend your bye week? And number two, how did you think Ohio State spent their bye week? Well, for me, I just spent the bye week working because that's what I do. I uh, did get to catch a little bit of football. Got to see, uh, you know, USC and uh, Colorado and uh, 
Well, I'll tell you what, USC, uh, you know, I thought they were going to run away with that when in Colorado, Coach Prime got them back in that game. So, uh, you know, that was, that was a pretty good game. And uh, other than that, it was just a, a whole lot of working, you know, and, uh, you know, over there at the Ohio State store, lots more the, uh, Saturday and then Sunday working on the car. So <laughs> it was, uh, it was a. Uh, well, you know, because I couldn't watch the Browns, Eric. I couldn't stomach it. So we, we were not having a good day. Don't worry. I didn't watch the Bengals either. I actually decided to take a nap. But but as far as Ohio State goes, I'll tell you, I hope they spent the bye week just working on getting some cohesiveness continuing on that offensive line and, more importantly, resting one Mr. Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. I, although I, I but you know he's not the kind of guy that's going to rest. Yeah, reports are he wasn't resting. He was he was in the in the woody working like crazy, man. So, yeah, Aaron, how'd you spend your bye week this week, buddy? Well, uh, a friend from the army uh, is getting ready to go to Korea, so uh, they stopped on the way up here. So we had a visit with them this weekend. Um, honestly, I'm close to graduating from. We'll share that another day. <laughs> we'll get to that uh, maybe for the preview of uh, the next couple of games. But, uh, there you, go. you know, just schoolwork mainly and visiting. Yeah, that's great, guys. Man, I spent my weekend watching a lot of college football. Uh, you know, I go to a lot of the games, and so I don't always get to sit down all day and watch three consecutive football games. I did yesterday. I split some wood. We had a fire last night. That was a lot of fun. Um, watch Notre Dame and Duke and flip back and forth between Iowa and Michigan state, uh, watched LSU get beat. That, that was nice. Um, so I watched a lot of football and of course, as I, I feel like I wanted Ohio state number one to get healthy, rest up, but number two, I wanted them to get a leg up on the next opponent who we are going to preview this week in the Terrapins of Maryland who are five and Oh. Ohio State for the fifth time this season, and we're going to preview this. We don't want to dive into it all tonight, but I can't help myself. For the fifth time this season, Ohio State's going to play an undefeated team. We've yet to play a team who has an L or yeah, an L on their on their schedule this year. Every until team we, we played, give it to them. Until we give it to them. Every team we played has been undefeated. And Maryland is going to be uh is going to be uh, no different than that. Um, all right, so let's do this. Let's do, let's answer this question. Put your comments in the comment section. We want to hear from you as well. My question is this: Which unit in Ohio State needed to improve the most this bye week? Whether it be through continuity, whether it be through health, whether it be through poor play. Aaron, which unit needed to improve the most this week? So <clears throat> this may come off as coach speak, but you know, you know me, that's just, that's how I speak. So hopefully the whole team, <laughs> sorry, I had a, a visitor that's about a foot and a half tall. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, hopefully the whole team's getting healthy though. Um, specifically, I hope that the offense as a whole continue to get in sync uh, in particular, the line gels, um, and then whatever's going on with the defensive line, particularly the ends, I hope that whatever's going on there is getting remedied. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Chris, what about you? Which unit needed to, to improve the most? Which unit needed attention the most this bye week, in your opinion? 
Yeah, I'm kind of with Aaron. I, I think for me it was, you know, from a continuity standpoint, I'm really hoping that the line continues to gel because I think each week we've seen some improvement. So I hope that just continues to get better before we really get into the meat of the schedule here starting in a few weeks. Um, but for me, and the other thing is the, the defensive end situation. But my thought is I don't know whether that is a the players getting it together or whether that's the coaches getting it together, Eric, because I still think that there's something going on there with with Larry Johnson and Jim Knowles that's still, you know, hopefully they can get on the same page so we can get things right for the defense the rest of this year. I agree with you absolutely 100%, Chris. I don't know what's up with that. Um, I mean, we're just speculating and we're reading between the lines on comments that were made in fall camp between Larry, not between each other, but it, it, you know, with the media about the whole um, position, the stand-up defensive end Jack position, where Larry basically comes out and says, I don't coach that. And then you had Jim Knowles come back and talk about some of the certain players that were involved in that, and he kind of was – kind of, you know, I just kind of let Larry do what, do what he does. If you go back and you watch the defense that Jim Knowles had when he was at Oklahoma state, they ran a lot of three down linemen where the Jack was almost like a hybrid linebacker who could go anywhere. Think of like if, if Troy Polamalu played linebacker, okay, he would move him everywhere. Um, it was a piece. It was a matchup nightmare for offenses. And Larry doesn't like that for some reason. And they've not implemented that position very much. And when they do, that person always ends up on the end just as a defensive end anyways. Yeah. They don't move them around. So I'm with you. I want to see this defensive line gel. Uh, I want to see them start to create havoc in the backfield, start to create more pressures, more sacks. We're going to need that. And we're especially going to need that this week because we're playing a quarterback who's not afraid to move around in the pocket and create passing lanes for himself. And he'll tuck it and run if he has to. He doesn't want to, but he will. But he's fantastic at creating tremendous passing lanes for himself. Jay Thompson says uh, the O-line. He wants to see the continual uh, improvement of the O-line. Um, let's see here. Uh, Larry Daniels, poor play on the O and D need improvement. Uh, that's always kind of the case in a, in a bye week is getting, uh, getting healthy in those areas. Uh, the big 10 huddle. Good to have, uh, good to have you with us tonight. Looking forward to hearing Chris with you. And, and, uh, I, I'll be signing up to be with you next week, my friend, to, to preview Purdue. Looking forward to some turtle stew on Saturday. We are as well. That's right. We need to get them those turtle talk guys hushed up a little bit. Uh, Larry Daniels said, uh, are the ends playing certain or two gap? Are they playing contain or two gap? Something keeps them in moderation. Aaron, you want to speak to this? You know, I thought about that. And I, based on the fact that Hartman against Notre Dame, he was able to get to the outside. I don't think that they're really trying to contain. I think they're just not getting there for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, because we are playing a shade. If you have, if you don't know what a shade is, it's just the defensive tackles and a three tech. He's on the outside shoulder of the, of the guard. Um, and, and typically that's, that's good 
for the defensive end, it holds up the middle of the field, you know, and that's, it, it's not surprising that it's the strong suit for us. But uh, to answer that question, no, I don't think that we're doing a two gap or, um, you know, anything like that. They may mess around with it, with the Jack, with Sawyer. Um, but I don't think that that that's not by design guys. Mm-hmm. I think they're just not getting there. I agree. I just, yeah. Jay Thompson says Knowles and LJ don't seem to be on the same page. And Knowles went from selling out way too often to appearing gun shy about dialing up the blitzes. <clears throat> I can't fault him though. He's it's worked pretty right. good for what we've done. We're one of the best statistical defenses in all of college football. And when you only give up 14 points a game, given what we historically have done offensively, that's usually an auto W you tell me if you, if you said, Eric, this defense is only going to give up 14 points a game for the rest of the year. Sign me up. Yeah. Sign me up. That's I'm national championship defense right there. I'll take that it. simple. Yeah. So, I mean, we're kind of, we're kind of nitpicking a little bit here, but it's, it's the obvious thing on this defense right now that's lacking. And that's the, that's the quarterback pressures and the sacks at this time. Um, so yeah, that, that is what it is. All right. Next topic. Let me ask you this question. We've, we're four games in. And again, put your comments in the comment section. I want to hear from you guys. What is the identity of this team, Chris? You you know, you, you find out, you tell me, Eric, because I still, I'm confused by this. I think we're a team without an identity still. I mean, defensively, I think we are semi-aggressive. I, I think that we are doing very well defensively, but offense, our offense has no identity whatsoever. Uh, you know, we're not really a passing offense. We're not really a, a running offense. We don't commit to any one particular thing. You, you know, I think we do both things fairly well, but we're not doing anything extraordinarily well. Now, whether that is due to the O-line, whether that is due to play calling, I don't know. Um, I, I think part of it goes back to what we discussed last week with I think Ryan Day is trying to create a tougher mindset as far as giving us an identity of, of toughness. And I think it's just getting lost in the mix. We're not really tough. We're not really finesse at this point. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what we are. I don't think we have an identity right now. Aaron, you want to try to tackle this one? For me, just watching, okay, so – not what should it be, Aaron? What is it? Yeah, yeah, no question. Uh, for me, just through the observations of each game, all right, we're not consistent with really anything that we're doing other than maybe coverage in the secondary. Um, so for me, I'm going to sum this up in one phrase. The identity of this team is whatever it takes. Okay? I, I And I say that because if the D-line's not playing well, well – Sometimes the secondary saves the day, all right? Because if you can't throw the ball, the quarterback's holding on to it longer. They take off. They're getting minimal yards most of the time, and that's what we've seen so far. On offense, if we can't throw the ball well, we've been able to run it really well, and when we can't run it really well, we open up to the pass pretty well. You know, Cade Stover's a nice check down route. He has done phenomenal this year. So it it seems to me through each game when one unit – doesn't do so hot 
another one picks up the slack. So that's why I say whatever we want to call it, okay, I just use the phrase whatever it takes. That is what this football team has done. I think Aaron's being too nice, Eric. No, that's no. that's my genuine feelings. That's that's just the... <laughs> I think I think I think Aaron's onto something here. We're gonna we're gonna dive into this. This this is gonna be a really good topic because it really re- leads in very nicely to our next topic as well. Big Ten Huddle says our identity is not soft. That's exactly what Ryan Day wants it to be. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna tell you. Look, I, I know that's what people want to do. Is it, it's it's like the thing to do right now is attack the offensive line for being soft. Indiana, they were soft. They yeah. are getting tougher. What we're witnessing is the progression it's of a, a football team. It is. It and is. That, that is completely normal. It's just we're not used to it. It's not because we we all we've been blessed hmm. to have established offensive lines for a while now. And even when we were replacing guys, we were replacing pieces. It was one piece, it was two <clears> pieces. <throat> it wasn't three or more, which is the majority of your line. And and that that shows. So that's that's a good point. Facebook user possibly play calling, mixing it up, keep defenses on their toes. You know there is an advantage to basically not knowing what you are offensively. It's what's it going to happen from week to week. You don't know. As a as a former mm-hmm. basketball coach, I can tell you that having five guys who can go off at any given time is an advantage because you can't defensively key in on trying to stop one guy. If you do someone else is going to step up and burn you. And so in in the world of basketball, it's important to have five guys on the court who can all score. So whether that be passing the football or running the football as the main feature from game to game, whether it be Kyle McCord, um, his decision-making, whether it be, uh, you know, the mixing of three different running backs who come in and they all have a good game, whatever that is, from game to game, it, it, it is working right now. Um, so, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting, interesting point. Um, so let's, let's specifically look at just the run game offensively. I would agree that right now this is a defensive-centered-led football team, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Man. We're winning because of defense right now. Yes. I think we're seeing the maturation of an offense, Okay. So let's look at the running game first on the offensive side of the football. Where are we at in your opinion? Like, is there an identity in the run game, Aaron? If so, what is it? Who is it? What's going on there? Honestly, it looks like you guys ever watch NFL on Sundays, right? And you hear him say, we're going to go with a hot hand. That's a common phrase that the commentators like to use. Well, that's because in the NFL, there's, you know, the, the days of a three down back are, are, have kind of come and gone. Okay. Typically, you know, like at the Cowboys, prime example, they got, they had Tony Pollard and Zeke. And usually they would ride the hot hand. Well, for us, that's Chip and Travion. Sometimes Mayan Williams, he's been kind of MIA this year, uh, minus the first game, game and a half of the season. But, um, it, it seems to me like we kind of go with the hot hand. I don't think that there's a, a you know a way that we use it like uh, Oregon used to uh, with smash and dash or whatever the heck they called those guys. Uh, <laughs> I know I got chip and dip over here, but you know back in the day, do you guys remember or boom and or no that was uh, that was our guys. So smash and dash. I don't even remember their names, but that's what they used to go with. Like on a on a on a short yardage down, 
they would bring in the bigger running back when they needed more yards, they'd put in the smaller guy. We're not really doing that. If chip, and the reason is, is chip is almost as fast as Travion and he's bigger. And when he, when we need those yards, he breaks them off for us. Sometimes he can't. So Travion gets out there and he gets them. We just kind of go with the hot hand. You know, it's interesting. If you go back and you listen to Paul Keels and Jim Lachey on the call in the Notre Dame game at the very end, the the very last play when they bring Chip in, uh, 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 Jim Lachey says, now we're on the same page. He wanted Chip to run that ball on the goal line. I think I think we definitely have a bruiser in Treanum at the running back position where obviously Travion is your home run threat. Um, you know, we thought we were going to see a three headed monster and you're, and you're right, Aaron. Mayan is, is MIA Chris. And you got any feel for that? Why that's going on? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know whether, you know, I know he was injured at the end of last year. Was it, is it lingering over? I don't know. Um, or is it just that Chip is outperforming him in, in practice? I don't know. A combination. Maybe. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe. Um, you know, we have we talked about all this great running back depth in, in fall camp. And it's it's a two it's a two man show right now. It really is. And I'm okay with that given the fact that our offensive line is developing. Yeah. Yeah. You, I you, would you, like to see a little bit more of Mayan. I, I mean I'm not gonna lie, but yeah, because he runs angry, and I like that. Yeah. But there, you could, the, there's only so many plays to go around, you know? So, obviously, we learned last week which two guys Dave, Dave thinks of the most in that running game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that, was, made, that was made pretty obvious. Um, yeah, I think, I think this might actually be the case. You, you hinted at so. it, Chris. Um, maybe Mayan is injured and they don't want to say, I mean, there's, that's very well could be a possibility. Um, you know, you know, Ryan day keeps that stuff close to the vest. He won't, he yeah. won't share that. Yeah. The, uh, same, same user. Very good question here. Um, <clears throat> I don't understand why, uh, we can't run some wildcat with, with Travion Henderson. It's a good question. What do you think, Aaron? Is it just not in our offense? Ah, that's, uh, it's a great question. And I appreciate him asking that. Um, I don't really have the answer other than I'm not sure that we have the offensive line to support that at this point, it wouldn't be effective. And on top of that, I don't know if Travion can, can really throw the ball that well, if he needed to. I kind of feel like Xavier Johnson would be the one to do the wildcat because make it, Throwing passes about the only thing he isn't doing regularly. So agreed, Chris. That see that would be even more because you and we know he can run the ball too if he needs yes. to. So that's that's actually a good idea. If we were to run the Wildcat, you know who I think they would give it to? Emeka Egbuka. I could see that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I we, think see that's the beautiful thing about this. We have several guys that could do it. Heck of a question. Yeah, good question. Um, we got one who doesn't like the wildcat though. <laughs> you know, it, it's well, well, the wildcat's interesting because if, if you have <clears throat> no threat to, to pass the football, you're literally showing your hand. It's right. we're, we're going to run it. Can you stop it? See, um, 
I hate it too. I am not a fan. Do you really? Yeah, the only dude, the only time in history that I can really remember it working that well was Arkansas with Darren McFadden back in the day. I haven't yeah. seen anybody really execute it that well since then. Hmm. Every well, now I mean, and now then. I will say this. Vrabel uh, has used it a few times pretty successful with Derrick Henry, and that little jump pass that he does. Okay, but they yeah. took that from Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow. But there's the threat to pass, see? Right, right, right. You, if you don't have the threat to pass out of it, it literally is just a glorified run without a handoff is all it is. It's just yeah. a direct snap at that yeah, point. Exactly. In which point um, I'd rather just see him line up in an eye and throw an extra blocker in there and just, you know. Amen, sister. Uh, Facebook user, I don't think so either. I mean, look at the end around with Mbuka. It didn't work. Well, that's not Mbuka's fault. No, it's not. I mean, the, the blocking on that play was <clears throat> we had we had a was it a twelve or thirteen man personnel in there? I think it was twelve. But yeah. we had two we had two tight ends on the right hand side as extra blockers, and and one of them Royer completely whiffed his block. Yeah, completely missed it. It was a swing and a miss, and it blew that play up. Yeah. I mean, I would almost rather have Julian Fleming over there blocking before I would him uh, key, in that in that scenario. The key to a sweep play like that, a jet sweep, is sealing the end. So if Royer's over there whiffing blocks, obviously that jet sweep isn't going to be there. I don't care how fast your guy is. Jaded Clay, listen. Can you guys beat Penn State by a lot and then beat Michigan? And then he followed it up with a – please. <laughs> well, we're going to try, man. Yeah. We're going to try. I'll tell you what, guys, let's, let's, I, if I we I, do that, I'm, I'm just, you know, going to give us the natty right then. <laughs> I don't know, but I wouldn't go that far yet, man. There's a lot of football to be played. And as, as I was seeing yesterday, <clears throat> I don't think there's any one team in college football right now that's head and shoulders better than anybody. Man, else. The SEC is yeah. so down this year. Auburn I, almost took out Georgia. They should have. Oh, well, I saw I'm the highlights. So, this is what the third week in a row that Georgia's had a, a serious challenge. Uh, yeah. yeah, the the I mean, you had Ole Miss uh, and LSU deciding that they yeah. were going to play no defense at all. It basically last team with the yeah, ball they won. Fifty-five, forty-eight, or something it like was, that. Wasn't it? it was sick. It was gross. Uh, and then you know, and then you have you flip <clears> it over to like Mississippi State and Alabama, who took the sport back 30, 40 years with their play, like. You know, and then you go out to the Pac-12. The Pac-12 looks fantastic, but is it? They don't play defense. They're is the new Big 12. You, well, you, you hold on. Friday night, Oregon State and Utah played a heck of a defensive game with one yeah. another. But we were all, you know, Chris was over there tooting his horn about how great Utah was, and then Oregon State beat them, who lost to Washington State. It's like everybody's like, "How oh, man, the Pac-12 is so good. Are they really good, though? I don't think either uh, one of those you, teams you, have a good offense, to be everybody's honest. Everybody's got USC. They're putting them in their, their top four. Well, let me tell you, USC plays no defense. Not no. at all. I mean, we Not saw that with that monster comeback that Colorado had in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of you have been talking about Duke <clears throat> and Notre Dame. Duke versus Notre Dame was a good game. Duke almost won. Yes, it was a heck of a game. Um, yeah, that was seeing Brian's right. Seeing that quarterback go down at the end of the game was kind of 
heartbreaking yeah. for him. What a great story with his mom telling him he sucks all the time. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. That was it was awesome. But that was a heck <clears throat> of a football game. Um, <laughs> I salt my steak with Brian Kelly tears. Obviously, Notre Dame fan Jaden Clay there. Yeah, they don't like they don't like them some uh, Kelly. Uh, I, I don't think LSU does either anymore. <laughs> All right, man, let's, let's do this. Let's move on because I want to move on this conversation we're having. It's really good. So the identity of the running game, we think it's a two-headed monster. I think that they look at Travian as their home run threat. They're going to feed him the ball 20, 25 times a game because there's always the threat that he's going to break one off. So even though he might average two, three yards per carry, there's always that chance he hits the hole and he's gone. And then when they need short yardage runs, I think that's when you're going to see them go with Chip. Okay? I think that's the identity of this running game that we are seeing. The passing game started off slow because of this. We had a quarterback competition. That was a legitimate quarterback competition, guys. That was settled in week two against um, Youngstown State. We all saw it. Mm -hmm. There was a clear divide between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown on the field. Now, in practice, it might have been different leading up to that moment, but from that moment on, this became Kyle McCord's team. And I felt like at that moment, you guys tell me if you disagree with me, his play elevated. Yes. Whether it was confidence, whether it was more reps with the first team, maybe a combination of both, his game elevated against Western Kentucky. And then he took another step against Notre Dame, especially on the mental side of things. Now, what I'm about to say is going to be incredibly controversy, controversial, and some of you might disagree. But I think Kyle McCord has got something a little different a makeup about him than what C.J. Stroud had. I do believe C.J. Stroud through a better football, especially at the end of his career, okay? But he also had how many more starts by then? Mm -hmm. I wrote an article this weekend. I want to break this down for all of you because I think it's incredibly interesting to look at the numbers between C.J. Stroud's first four games in 2021 and Kyle McCord's first four games here in 2023. Because I think that is comparing apples to apples. Do you guys agree with that comment, that statement? Like, if you're going to compare the two, that's how you need to compare the two, correct? If right. you're going to make that comparison, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's look at the total numbers through the first four games for, for C.J. Stroud. The statistics that I think count. He was 80 receptions, 124 attempts. That's 65% uh, completion percentage. For 1,293 yards, 13 touchdowns, three picks, had a record of 3-1. and one. Kyle McCord is 74 receptions, 113 attempts. That's 65%. Same exact percentage. Yards, 1,055. So... Every time CJ threw the football, he was getting about two yards more than what Kyle McCord is. Kyle McCord also only six touchdowns, 
But look at look look at these stats: zero interceptions <clears throat> and a record of four and zero. Oh. You ask, what is the identity of this football team? Kyle McCord is on a similar trajectory, in my opinion, to what C.J. Stroud was, except for this one distinct difference. Ryan Day was preaching all offseason and in fall camp, do the routine things what, Chris? Routinely. Routinely. That's what he wanted. Kyle McCord is doing that exact thing. He's not making big mistakes. Now, there were a, a bunch of chances in that game where Notre Dame could have got an interception. He got incredibly lucky. But when he, when when the game was on his shoulders and he had to go make that game-winning drive, he he got out of his little element there and he started to sling the football. Is he as good as C.J. Stroud was at that? Not at this moment, maybe. But was he as good as C.J. Stroud at, at after four games at that? I'm going to say yes, because look at those interceptions that C.J. Stroud had. He had three picks, okay? So he was – C.J. was more willing to put the ball in tight windows that maybe caused turnovers than what McCord is at this moment. But there's going to come a time, I think, when he's going to say training wheels off, McCord, you get to go make those same passes that C.J. Stroud was making maybe in game six, game seven, game eight. Aaron, what do you think of my my analogy there and my kind of thinking through this? I think there, you know, we talked about it, like that it has to be apples to apples. And it's difficult because Stroud is a different type of player than McCord. All right. McCord, I think somebody has said in the comments that McCord has a little bit of that dog in him, you know, and he does. I don't feel like. CJ Stroud really did. And I say that because of some of the comments that he made, whether he was told not to run or whatever. But I think we're in more of a situation where the quarterback should not be taking off than we were with CJ Stroud under center. If that makes any sense. Um, because if, 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 if Kyle goes down, Devin Brown can't get it done. I don't think he can right now. Okay. Right now. Judging by what we've seen out of him this season, no. He can't even scramble that well. Kyle McCord is far more athletic than I think we give him credit for. Um, but as far as, like, I think CJ has a little bit more arm talent than what Kyle has, but it's coming along. Like you said, he's progressing. He's getting better. Um <clears throat> I think he is on a better trajectory because let's face it, I think the big difference here is what, like 200 yards in passing, mm -hmm. somewhere thereabouts. Against Oregon alone, CJ Stroud had to throw the ball a lot more than he normally oh, he, did. He had, 50, he had 53 attempts against Oregon. Right. Think about that. Kyle McCord hasn't had to do that so far. The defense that CJ Stroud had wasn't as good as this one. Well, he had over 400 yards passing against the Ducks that game and a yeah. loss. But right. we only scored what? 28 20, points. Tw well, I was going to say 21. It was on the 20s. Like we, what was it, 35, 28? Something yes. like that. 28. Um, we lost that football game. It was mostly defensively, let's be honest. Yes. But the defense was putting CJ in that, in that 
the defense was putting CJ in that position where he had to throw the football. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. The defense hasn't done that to McCord, which has been a luxury for Ryan Day and his play calling. Now, Lenny says, did you see CJ today? Yes. But that's comparing apples to oranges now. Right. Okay. We can't do that. We, you can't compare McCord as a four, four game starter to CJ Stroud as a three game NF or four game NFL starter now. Like it's, it's, it's here. CJ's had all that time to develop and McCord hasn't. My question is, is McCord's development at where he's at as four game starter on par with what CJ had in game four. And I'm going to say, yes, it is statistically looking at it. Chris, what do you think? Well, I agree. It definitely is. And, and, you know, Aaron mentioned the fact that the defense hasn't put him in position, Eric. But I want to mention one other thing. Let's look at the offensive lines that the two of them were behind at the time, too. You know, CJ was behind a very, very good offensive line, especially when it came to pass blocking. And I, I really feel that, you know, that gave him more opportunity, more time to run through progressions. Uh, you know, so I feel like that line, the way it was built, kind of, I think, gives CJ an edge in statistically. But when you compare these things, you know, you talk about doing apples to apples. It is kind of apples to oranges a little bit still because the offense that's being run is a little bit different. The players are a little bit different. And those offensive lines are, are a little bit different. Uh, not only that, but, you know, it, for, for me, I just feel like CJ's situation, if, if Kyle McCord was giving the same, given the same opportunities as CJ is, granted, I'm not going to take away anything from CJ because he, he does have more out, uh, arm talent. But I think without a doubt, and Aaron mentioned it, you know, I think Kyle McCord has, you know, maybe a little more, more, I don't want to say guts, just more of an it factor. Um, I think his leadership is a little bit better. And I feel like, you know, especially after watching that game-winning drive, which was, if I recall, something that CJ had the opportunity to do against Oregon and didn't get it done. Uh, you know, this, this is some I think Kyle McCord, you know, is kind of the real deal. And like you, I think that, as Ryan Day develops more confidence in McCord and in that line, we're going to see him just turn uh, McCord loose. Two questions come up from this. By the way, there's a lot of great comments in the chat. I wish I could share them all. There's a lot of this is a this is why I wanted to to talk about this because this has given us a really good topic that's causing a lot of you to make really really good points, and I really appreciate all of those things. But Nick Quint asks a question that. I think we need to we need to we need to talk about it, okay? Do you think McCord will run when necessary or when he sees an opening or do you think he will be more of a pocket passer and not run? Remember, Stroud said he's not a running back. Okay. Million dollar question, Nick. Does Ryan Day want his quarterbacks to run? I don't know that it matters, Eric, because I kind of get the feeling kind of what Aaron said earlier, uh, you know, when he was talking about the identity of this team, whatever it takes. I get the feeling McCord's kind of a whatever-it-takes guy. Uh, will he run? Yes. Will he slide? 
God, let's hope so, because the, those headfirst dives is going to get him killed. But, uh, yeah, I think I think that he's, you know, when it push comes to shove, if he needs to run, he's going to run. I truly believe that. Let, let me say this. I hope he does. But he's got to be intelligent in doing it. Yes. If you, for those of you who watched the Notre Dame Duke game last night, we Notre Dame would have lost two games in a row if it wasn't for their quarterback on that fourth down, tucking it and running. And he took a shot to to get to that first down. He wasn't about to slide. He he took a shot, but he was willing to do what it took to get the first down that then set up the initial touchdown, the go ahead touchdown to win the football game. I want to feel like McCord has that in him. And for the longest time, we thought Stroud didn't until the Georgia game. It was there the whole time, but we didn't get to see it to the last play of the game, which tells me Ryan Day is coaching these guys to stay in the pocket as long as you can to find the open receiver. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right, Aaron? Because sometimes those broken plays end up being big touchdown plays, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was actually one of the things that I, I gave credit to Notre Dame about being good about is, is Hartman would, you know, he'd stay in the pocket, but he would break out if he needed to. But the receivers were really good at their scramble grill and they would find themselves open and Hartman would get them. And to answer the question, I'm going to need somebody to write me a million-dollar check because against Notre Dame, we saw Kyle McCord do that. He did take off running several times, so we know that he will. He's not going to take a sack or throw it into the third you know, the third set of stands up there to, to avoid it. He's going to pick up yards when he needs to, and we needed him to against Notre Dame in a tight game. He went out and did that. I don't know if CJ would have done it in the fourth game. We saw him against Georgia in a playoff game. Would he have done it game four? He sure as heck didn't do it against Oregon. So, you know, I like I liked Kyle McCord's attitude better, the way he plays. Is Brian, Brian makes a statement. Stroud never beat TTUN. That's a true statement. And I think it's fair to say that that's part of his legacy. <clears throat> it is. It is. He may he may end up becoming, and it's not a very high bar to say this, guys, unfortunately, but he may end up becoming the most successful Ohio State quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he's off to a pretty doggone good start already. Uh, we thought Justin Fields was going to be that guy, but he is buried in the worst franchise in the NFL right now. Absolutely. Had a great day today, though. But did he win? He's still yeah. lost. Or did he? Yeah, they yeah, lost. Yeah, Denver beat them. But my, my point is this, is that th- that 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 argument that the, t- the fans up north make about you guys have never had a great NFL quarterback. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but, you know, you guys didn't beat us for 20 years. Like, what's it really matter, you know? Okay, you, you've got the GOAT in the NFL, but how much of that was his development – from you, you know, like was zero. None. Yeah, it's zero. Really, it's really a viewed. <laughs> it's really a mute point. If you ask me, like, if that's going to be your arguing point, like, okay, great. How many, how many rookies of the year have Ohio state had defensively and offensively in the last 10 years? It's like seven. Okay. It's, it's ridiculous number. Okay. 
So, if, I mean, if you're going to do that, then we literally win that argument. But my point is this. Like, Stroud was great. But what constitutes greatness? I would trade the last two years for Craig Krenzel in 2002 every single time. Wouldn't you? We won a freaking national championship. And there's no one in their right mind who's going to say Craig Krenzel was a better quarterback than C.J. Stroud. No. But he won. He did win. He won. Okay. I wouldn't have trade C.J. Stroud for was the quarterback in Georgia the last two years. Uh, oh, Drew Stetson, Stetson or whatever. Stetson Bennett. Okay. I wouldn't trade. Like, I think C.J.'s a much better quarterback. But guess who won two national championships? In a row. So I don't know what constitutes what is the the passing game identity we have, but I'll tell you this much. After four games, I kind of like it. I like the results of it anyways. We might not be putting up as many points as we did, but that might come. That might have to come. Next year might be a completely different story when this defense, we lose most of the starters. And we're going to have a young defense who's going to make a lot of mistakes, and then we have to outscore opponents again. Then we might see where Day opens up the offense even more for Kyle McCord if he comes back, which I think he will, unless he has an absolute unbelievable next eight eight games and he has to go pro. But I think Kyle McCord at that time might be more of what we saw with C.J. Stroud. But given what we have right now, I really like the offense that we're running in the passing game. Um, if you try to stop Harrison, guess what? Egg is going to burn you. Uh, we've got Cade Stover out there acting like he's, you know, going to have 800 yards receiving this year, which blows my mind from a tight end at Ohio state. You know, this is something we've been begging for for years. What's the offensive passing identity, Aaron? What is it? Whoever's open. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, you, you you pretty much just spelled out how I feel about it. You know, if it's not Igbuka, it's Harrison. If it's not either one, you got Stover down low. The point is, is we're like a Swiss army knife for passing. That's funny. Kyle McCrenzel. <laughs> uh, how about how about for vice president and we make Trestle the president? How about that? I would take that. I'll take that. Chris, what's the offensive passing identity for this team? Yeah, I got to kind of go with what Aaron was saying here. I think it's just pick your poison because I'll tell you what, it, it doesn't matter if, like you said, if you're doubling Harrison, Igbuka is going to destroy you. If you're doubling, you know, Igbuka, Harrison's killing you. If, if if you're going one-on-one, then any of these guys might take you. And if even if you're lucky enough to stay tight with Harrison and, and Igbuka, then you got Fleming and Stover and, you know, you know, Carnell Tate's had a bit of the dropsies this year, but, you know, I think he's going to end up being a, a good weapon by the end of the season. You know, Th- there's just so many options on this offense that it's really what, what Aaron said there. It's, you know, just whoever's open, pick your poison. Yeah, I agree. Let's, uh, let's uh, take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. We're going to wrap this show up. Hang tight, everybody. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. 
Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. A last topic for the discussion tonight, guys. Um, let's talk about the positive and the negative surprise from this team after four games. Put your uh, your opinion in the comments section. We want to hear from you as well on that. But let's start here, Chris. I'm going to start with you. Let's start with the negative first because I want to end on the positive. What has been a surprise about this team that has not been good or not as good as you thought it was going to be this season? What has surprised you the most? Uh, for me, I think it's got to be the defensive ends. I thought we had defense. I, I really thought we were going to have three guys capable of getting double-digit sacks this year. And we haven't seen the, the defensive ends producing anything as far as the actual sack numbers. Now, yeah, I think they've been doing a pretty decent uh, job as far as uh, helping contain the run. I think they've been doing a decent job, um, you, you know, keeping quarterbacks in the pocket, but they're not getting home. And I really thought that this was going to be a team that racked up possibly as many as, as 40 to 50 sacks as a team. I really thought 50 sacks as a team was within the possible range of possibility for this team. And our, our, our defensive ends just aren't getting home like they should be. So that for me is the biggest disappointment. Aaron, the biggest disappointment on this team for so far for you this year, what surprised you negatively? You know, it's, it's hard to disagree with what Chris just said. We had so many high hopes for the defensive ends to do some serious damage. Um, I had my reservations. I always have about Jack Sawyer just because I just I haven't really seen anything out of him that would indicate to me like, yo, that guy's up next. You know, he is the next Chase or Joey or, you know, any of those guys. But more than that, JTT. When you have the year that that guy had last year, and it may be because of that year that he had, you know, and Sawyer not being as good as what we thought maybe, um, maybe JTT's getting double teamed. Maybe he's just getting taken out of the out of the plays. I don't know. Um, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the offensive line as well. You know, it's, it's really our defensive and our offensive lines together that I would say um, – are kind of the negative surprise. Uh, you know, I knew we'd be a little, we'd be inexperienced on the offensive line. I think we all knew that coming in, but we got some, we got a guy that was a transfer player that has to count for something. I know that he came from San Diego state, but still that, that experience has to count for something, you know? Um, and it's not like these are all true freshmen. They were here last season, you know, I, I, I they're getting better. They are. But when does it really become a problem? When is it going to cost us a game, if it does? Yeah, so the chat's having a debate about the defensive line right now. So obviously that's the biggest surprise because I think maybe our expectations were too high. Do you, do you, think, part, do you think part of that too is that we all bought into the one-game hype from JT to Ibuluau? That one game, he had just, he had a great game, or he had a great season. He had he had was the single greatest the one game. He had the single greatest statistical game a defensive end has ever had in the history yeah. of college football. Yeah, think about absolutely. That. 
He nearly um, single-handedly, I mean, he, he did single-handedly, but for the most we, part, he single-handedly had won that Penn State game last year. We don't, we don't win if it wasn't him. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, maybe, maybe that plays into it a little bit. Um, there's a question. Let me see if I can find it here that relates to this. Um, here we go. Is Larry Johnson the problem with the defensive line not getting pressure? I don't want to believe that because Larry Johnson has developed how many All-Americans on the defensive line? A lot. Not just All-Americans, but guys who've went on to great pro careers and been tremendous. I mean, guys who've done great in college and the pros. I mean, you go all the way going back to Courtney Brown at Penn State, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and then uh, with that, was another really good comment. Let me see if I can find that one now that I, I actually <clears throat> absolutely agree with. Uh, let's see. What is the game after my? I don't, I can't imagine it has. I wouldn't want to think that, but I mean, you know, we've talked about it with other coaches. Yeah. I can't find it now. I, it... I apologize, but the comment was Ohio state fans complain when we, when we rotated too much on the defensive line and now they're complaining because we're not rotating enough on the defensive line. I agree with that. If there too. was a game, if there was a game where we didn't need to re- rotate it, it was last week. You want your best guys on the field all the time against the best opponents, right? Like the worst possible thing is have the game on the line and you don't have your best players in. Now, does that mean they need to rotate a little bit, maybe in the first half or in the second quarter uh, for a series or something. Okay, maybe. But here's the thing. I don't know how much of a drop-off we have on the ends from Sawyer and JTT to the next guys up and Jackson and uh, Curry. Curry. Kane Curry. I don't we're know good how at much fullback of a last week, we by the way. Seems to me like it's a pretty big drop off because you don't, don't you don't know. see well you don't see him in the games that much. Jackson, well, I he's done quite well, but I I, mean, I I well hold on. I think when Caden Curry's in there, you know it, you see it. Yeah, his motor's unbelievable. Like well, he, I I when when Caden Curry's in the football game at the end of the games, he's all over the place. <clears throat> I, I I would like to see him get a little bit more playing time. Might help him. I mean, that's that's one of those things right there, dude, that that pays dividends at the end of the season. You know what I mean? Maybe it looks bad now or, or not bad per se, but you get what I'm saying. It's a little rough right now, but by the time we go to play that team up north or, or you know, Penn State maybe, um, you know, the dude has some experience under his belt, and that's when it pays those dividends. I like this comment right here. This is why we have the smartest listeners there is. Should we consider moving our ends like uh, around like that? We should go back. Remember when they had the rushman package? Yep. Yeah. Why isn't JT getting pushed inside for, for the rush? And you bring Jackson, who is an absolute beast on the outside. Okay? That's like his specialty. Kenyatta Jackson is rushing the quarterback. Right. I would love to see them bring the rushman package back on third and long and just say, go kill the quarterback. Why don't they stop more? Why don't they stunt more? Why don't they do any of that? They do sometimes, but not sometimes. like they used to. I'm yeah, with you 100 percent on that. Jay, Jay just he just dropped it right when I was saying it. Slide JTT inside and put Curry in an end on passing downs. Yeah, I mean that's what we're talking about. We got to become creative. Okay, we're four games in. They're, they just went through a bye week. Maybe we're going to start to see some of that. Okay, maybe that's a possibility that they're going to start to work towards that. Hopefully. 
we have a defensive coordinator and a defensive line coach who can get on the same page and we can start to see some of that. I think that's that's something that uh, Buckeye fans can wish for. Let's flip it down, look at the offensive line real fast because we still have to answer the second part of this question before we call it a night. I'm going to push back on the offensive line. I think they're playing better than we thought they were. I thought they were going to be horrid. From what I my eyeballs saw in the spring game well, we and what saw, I yeah. saw at fall camp, I thought they were going to be terrible. I know Fryer had a bad penalty, which I still disagree with a little bit. I, I didn't I don't know why an offensive lineman falling on a someone who he pancaked all of a sudden is a penalty now, but because it's because it's behind the play. Right. What if it was three yards in front of the play? It's okay now? Yes. Yes. The law, the, the rule book says that if you pancake a guy behind the quarterback, you can't fall on him. If there was a pause, there was a delay between when he hit the ground and then he went and jumped. On He's him. an offensive lineman. There's a delay in everything in their life, man. <laughs> Come on. Not at the buffet, my guy. <laughs> Bump, yeah. set, spark. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, 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 I think with Friars move to the right tackle, that has helped that side of the line. That side of the line's playing well. Matthew Jones is playing really, really good. Uh, I think Friars definitely more comfortable at right tackle than he was left tackle. I think Carson Hensman's had some moments where he's not looked good at center, but for the most part, have you seen a bad snap? There it is. Nope. Yep. There not you go. Going. He's learning just like our quarterback is. He's never done this before. Okay. Donovan Jackson, I think he's getting a bad rap because he's working with a left tackle who's learning how to play left tackle, okay? And so he's taking on a lot of responsibility at left guard trying to help what is the obvious weakness of this football team on the offensive line. But I'm not ready to give up on Simmons. He's got good feet, okay? That's that's the first thing you have to have if you're going to be a left left tackle is good feet. He's got that. He's athletic. Give him some more time. That position is the hardest one on the line to develop. Okay. I I don't want I don't I don't think we can scrap this at this point of the season. Okay. We've got to let give them time to gel. Yes, you're right, Jay. Simmons has made a lot of penalties. I I, I get that. He's the most penalized player in the country last year. What do you expect? He was. Yeah. But I it's still not as bad as I thought it was gonna be. No. Okay. He, they haven't got a quarterback killed yet. I really thought we they were going to get quarterback killed. They yeah. were that bad looking. Okay, so that's that's that. Now let's flip it around. The positive. A lot of you have been mentioning our defensive backfield has looked great as a surprise positive for this year. Chris, what has surprised you about this team that you didn't anticipate that is good? Well, I'll tell you, I think the defense has been great, but I kind of expected that for me. I, I think it's got to be the use of the tight ends in the passing game. Stover has looked amazing in the passing game. I think he's blocked well for the most part. Uh, I think that uh, even you know the, in limited action, G. Scott's looked good in the passing game. Uh, you know, I, I think the use of the tight ends, how much we've relied on them, uh, especially in games where Harrison's just being blanketed by however many guys. Cade uh, Stover's been a difference maker. So for me, I'd have to say that, that you know, even though we knew he was going to be good, I think the volume of work that he's getting is what's the most surprising thing. All right, Sergeant MVP, your turn. 
So I see a lot of people are saying the secondary. I agree. That is a positive, but it's not the surprise for me. I expected the secondary to play like they're playing right now. Watching these guys develop and seeing what they're capable of in flashes, I expected this. What I was not prepared for was Kyle McCord. I did not know what we were going to get. I know what he looked like against Akron, but for the love of God, it's Akron. All right. right. Any, any of the three of us, I'll dial it back. <laughs> One I of us. He had you and I taking snaps, Eric. <laughs> I did. I did. And I apologize. Okay. <clears throat> I didn't expect McCord. Okay. <laughs> I didn't expect McCord to perform at the level he has or to progress as fast as he has. For me, his performance, his cool under pressure, under the lights at Notre Dame of all places has been the positive surprise for me. Ball security is job security, and he has taken care of the ball. I think a lot of you have hit on the good. The good. The secondary, the cornerbacks have looked, uh, looked great. The secondary has not given up a big play this year thus far. That's been great. Uh, those are all positives. Aaron, you brought up Kyle McCord. That's been a positive. Can I talk about Ryan Day for a minute? No. No. Come on. Come on. Not one of of course on. you can, dude. It's Ryan Day. That's our guy. Go dude, for it. Dude, dude has had to hear it from people like Chris all offseason. Damn you, Chris. And he's going to continue who, to hear it until he wins those big ones. People who, <laughs> people who want him out at this at this time, and I sign me up for angry Ryan Day in every post game, uh, interview. Sign me up for that. In fact, if we beat Maryland, I want him to be interviewed by Fox afterwards and just yell at some other old person who doubted him. Like, I just start picking random people. I don't care. He can like, throw my name out there. I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah, he just starts reaming. Whoever this Chris Wilds is, who's this guy think he is? Where's he at? I wish I could talk to him right now. I will like, show I, Chris in front of him. <laughs> the walkthrough just. Hey, hey, I would run out there and jump. <laughs> yeah. You know, we all want angry Ryan Day. We want, we want the guy with the. <laughs> The chip on his shoulder, who's who's you know balls to the wall. I'm not going to hold anything back. Let's go out and let's do what we need to do. Now maybe we haven't seen that guy in the play calling, but maybe it's because we don't. He's like, dude, if I if I if I'm that guy with the quarterback that we have right now, who's not ready for that, with the offensive line we have that's not ready for that, we're we're going to throw interceptions out the yin yang. So we got to tone that back. But I like the passion that I'm seeing from him. I like the anger, the the chip on his shoulder. We're going to need that. We absolutely are going to need that because I'm going to end with this. I watched that team up north absolutely embarrass Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, embarrass them. They took their manhood and stomped on it and then backed up and did a burnout on it. Nebraska had no answer for their running game. And when they decided to put 10 guys in the box, JJ was hitting guys left and right who were wide open. That offensive line that they have up there 
is scary good. They're for real. Their defensive okay. line isn't too bad I, either. I don't like to admit this. I wish they stunk. <clears throat> but they don't. And it's going to take an angry, pissed-off Ohio State football team to compete with them. Okay? I also think Penn State, I don't think they're fool's gold. I, I don't think they're a complete team. I think that they can, they think they have vulnerabilities, but that's a better football team than than James Franklin has had in a what since Saquon was here. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And I think that's probably the best quarterback he's ever had. So things are about to get really difficult for this football team. I just mentioned two of our next eight games. We've got a road trip against Luke Fickle in Madison. I'm not as worried about that game as I was at the beginning of the year, but that team is learning. That team is developing. They're a lot like Ohio State. They they kind of looked icky at the beginning of the season, and their last couple games, they have found their identity again. Okay, That's not going to be an easy game. Night game in Madison. This weekend, guys, yeah. do not sleep on this football team. If we come out flat on Saturday, which is a concern of mine out coming off a of bye week, this team can beat you. Yes. Offensively, they are very good. They we present they present to our defense again for the fifth time this year a completely different style of play than we've seen. And can we step up to the challenge once again defensively? All of that being said, I like our chances because of who our head coach is. And I haven't been able to say that every time in the past. And I even this guy over here is starting to come over a little bit. That win in Notre Dame, I saw it in your face, Chris. That was a in that post game interview. You I liked the, I, I liked Angry Ryan Day. I yes. did like Angry Ryan Day. That's been to me. That's been the positive surprise, because I thought he was trying to be a politician, and I think he came out and said, "To heck with that! I'm going to be myself on national TV, and if you don't like it, I don't care, because Buckeye Nation's got my back, and my players love it, and I love them, and that's who I'm going to be." That's been my surprise. Let's see what we have in the in the chat here that we can read through real fast before we call it a day. Uh, Jay disagrees with me. We can talk about day. We can't talk about day until after Thanksgiving weekend. Why? Amen, Jay. Why? He needs to win that one. It's the only thing right. I can come up with. I, I'm just telling you guys straight up. It's going to be a war. It's absolutely going to be a war. Uh, Brian Leobers, funny thing, uh, that team up north says we don't get many good quarterbacks in the NFL. The only two they really have had is Brady and Greasy. Am I right? I think you are. Greasy wasn't even that good. He was terrible. Tom Zach had a better career than he did. Yeah, actually, I think you could probably go to their head coach right now. Harbaugh probably had a better NFL career. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Larry Daniels, Ryan, can you can use me after TTUN? I have questions. Yes. What use you use you. What do you mean? Ryan can use me. I I think he's meaning to shout at angry. Yes. 
Yes. Ah, okay. Old, I had questions. That's that's. I said I said he can yell at random old people every week, and Larry said ah, he can. Okay, use me. <laughs> I didn't realize Larry was old. My apologies. He's not. Wow. <laughs> Seriously, I'm sorry. Great. I don't. I don't assume people's ages. I don't know these. Brian things. Lee Oberst just watch the play calling will be much better, and will show just how good our offense really is. Love the confidence, Brian. Love the confidence. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. Uh, I like the way our schedule lines up where it gives our defense different challenges between now and the game where I think they'll be ready. Love it. Love it. Here we go. (laughs) Jay, this is a family show, Aaron. Hey, man, I'm not the one to put it out there, okay? Well, you didn't understand. It's all right. You didn't understand, Aaron. Guys, I just work here, okay? Don't, Don't try to put all this on my shoulders. Please like, share, subscribe. We really do appreciate it, all of you. Thank you for sticking around to the end of the show, all of you who are watching. We do we do appreciate that as well. Be on the lookout this week. We're going to have previews all week long for you. We've got a, uh, a dual show tomorrow. Chris and I will actually be um, recording with the Turtleheads podcast, the Maryland guys from Big Banter Sports. They're going to be with us tomorrow. That's going to be interesting. These guys are trash talkers, dude. I mean – serious trash talkers. So they're going to be bringing their A game in uh, to try and rattle Chris and I. Uh, All we got to do is keep saying scoreboard, buddy. Um, So that'll be a lot of fun. We will have your previews for you. Aaron, we're planning on breaking down some film again. Talia Tagovailoa, he's got a lot of film out there that's uh, uh, a... that needs to be looked at. Chris and I are going to look at things historically and statistically this week. So be on the lookout for all of those shows this week on our YouTube channel. Matt Butcher, sorry to ask this. Don't want to bring up the past, but just finished watching the Swamp Kings. Is the 06 loss to Florida the biggest choke in Buckeye history? No. LSU was bigger. Yeah. Um, that game, at the end of the day, when you look back at that one, that – I. I think Florida beats that team nine and a half out of 10 times. Um, you know, the 06 team was great, but they came into that game feeling themselves and, and Florida came in with a giant chip on their shoulder. And that, when that ball started rolling downhill, there was nothing that was going to stop it. And LSU on the other hand, LSU on the other hand, when we played them in the national championship and lost, we shouldn't have, we should have beat that football team. Agreed. We had yeah. the we had the game won. We had the horses. We had the good. We had a good game plan. We had the momentum. We had the lead. Like there was so much in that game that looks. I look back on and I just shake my head about. Um, so no, I disagree, Matt. That was not the biggest choke job in Ohio State history. All right, guys. Again, appreciate all of you gonna who are here tonight. We will be back again next Sunday night to review the game from this upcoming weekend at home against the Turtleheads. It's against the Turtles. The, the turtle heads of the podcast against the Terrapins uh, 12 o'clock on Fox. That's the game that's going to be on. If you don't get a chance to go, make sure you watch it. Come back, be with us next Sunday night. Be kind to one another. I O summons OH and St. Carmen, Ohio with all your heart till next time. OH. I O.